0: Hello everyone, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talkies. Now before you jump on to listening to this episode, wait, take a breath, smile, get your regular dose of life-changing entropy here on Everyday Talkies. Hello guys, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talkies and we are back with another episode of Guns, Germs and Steel. This episode is called Up to the Starting Line. And we have Pushkar as the guest back again. Hello. Hello. Just a quick recap for everybody who has stumbled upon this episode out of nowhere, which apparently some people do. So, this is the second episode in the series Guns, Germs and Steel, where we... I would not say review a book because that is not what we are doing. We basically found this book to be really interesting and something which, you know, enhances our knowledge. Makes us know more about history, especially how civilizations evolved, how human beings interacted, let's say from 7 million years ago till date. So we are going one by one. So in the initial, in the first episode, we just You know, came across what Yali's question is. That was the preface. And Pushka, do you want to give a quick one minute, like, you know, briefing just for people who are stumbling upon what Yali's question is?
1: Okay. So, the last episode, if you haven't listened to it, what we basically talked about was uh, what Jared Diamond considers Yali's question. And basically, that's like if this book was a thesis, that is his research question. And Yali's question essentially boils down to uh, this basic idea that why is the reason that different civilizations across the world developed at a different rate the question itself was why is it that you white people developed so much cargo and brought it to new guinea but we black people had little cargo of our own yeah that to its most generalized form boils down to why did a certain civilization grow at a different rate than a certain other civilization even that is debated, did humanity have the same starting line and so in this chapter I guess we are going to talk about how these civilizations came to be, how different civilizations on different continents of the world came to be. And uh, does it really line up that we all had the same starting line or does it even matter that if a certain civilization had say a head start regarding time and uh, would that be advantageous?
0: Just to give a a bit more briefing there, uh, it does not matter who Yali is, but basically here in terms of black people, he means uh, people from Papua New Guinea, New Guinea, as he said in the old world, There people are still in, let's say, the stone age or in a more, uh, I would say, uh, farming age and where the world has more advanced, the more technological age. That is why they're differing between that and that is what cargo means here. But yeah, that's about what last episode uh, was. If you want to get more details, you can uh, go back and listen to that. But this episode is basically, we will be spending the least amount of time on the most amount of time of human history. Pushka, did you get
1: that? (laughs) Yes, I did. I was just going to say that's a very good way to explain that.
0: Yeah, so basically we are covering what happened from 7 million years ago till 13,000 years ago. How humans evolved from apes and that line and how human beings travelled around the world and This is just one uh, theory. Obviously, nothing is proved. There are discoveries happening on a day-to-day basis, which proves, disproves all of this. But this is the most generally accepted theory which uh, Jared Diamond mentions. And yeah, I think this is the biggest chunk of period from 7 million years to uh, 13,000 years that we'll be covering in just this one episode. Because uh, moving forward from all the subsequent episodes, we'll be covering what happened to humans from 13,000 years.
1: Yeah, so Jared Diamond basically says that 13,000 years ago is... Be, uh, more or less the start point of civilization and what happened is when humans came onto the scene was almost 7 million years ago so this one chapter of 20 pages basically deals with the anthropocene timeline from 7 million years ago to uh, 13,000 years ago yeah and uh,
0: one quick thing also i wanted to mention that in the episode which you will be seeing i'll post a small map of how human beings traveled from its supposed origination in Africa to the entire world and which we'll talk more about in this episode. So, you know, with that, with that great segue, you know, why don't we jump right in the beginning? All of us know that our closest relatives are monkeys, but not exactly monkeys, right? Monkeys are just one line of species which we are closely related to, but we are not directly descendants of them. We are more descendants of apes, as Pushkar rightly pointed out. And they divided into three sections. So, uh, we had gorillas, we had chimps and bonobos and the th- and the third one was humans basically the genetic evolution stuff that all of us read in you know class 8 or 9 biology that chimps were four legged creatures and then we started walking upright and slowly and st- slowly we developed into modern human beings but now we want to put a timeline on all of this when did this happen and how did it change so as pushkar earlier mentioned that 7 million years ago Now, again, this is debatable. You know, he mentions five to nine million years ago. And it's a huge, huge, huge time
1: span. So we can't really pinpoint. It's it's so hard to just imagine seven million years. Can we even like, it's because it's hard for me to imagine life, just say like 400, 500 years ago, 500 years compared to seven million years. Like, how do you even, I don't think our brains can comprehend that uh, huge amount of time. For people who
0: are a bit more confused with the international numbering system, seven million is 70 lakh years so just to bring that into some context there that's a long 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 time so uh, let's start with it so basically according to the book uh, the first upright posture was according to remains and fossils was found four million years ago and basically why are humans Different from, let's say, uh, chimpanzees, gorillas, bonobos, and all of that, is because our brains are a relatively bigger size than these animals, and that is why we are able to
1: comprehend more complex things. He also mentions that it might not exactly be the fact that it's about the brain size, right? Because Neanderthals basically had um, brains that were slightly larger than uh, Homo sapiens brains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yet they were the species that were kind of replaced by us. So. I mean, it's also like another theory that he points out is that maybe uh, there was a significant rewiring of our brain that allowed us to think the way that we do right now and it also brings up an interesting point i think um, while i was reading that uh, <laughs> uh, it was like kurt vonnegut has this uh, book called galapagos which if you haven't read it you should read it it's very interesting it's it kind of deals with the same topic about um, the origins of life and more or less it's it's about it's a novel about the start of life and the end of life and he mentions that humans having big brains is essentially a bad because uh, like how this book i think the more we read further going into further chapters i think we we'll find out that uh, maybe it wasn't the best thing that humans developed or the biggest brains i mean it's a it's an interesting question to ask would we be happier or would we be better preserved if we were not able to think for ourselves if we did not have this whole awareness of ourselves would we be able to preserve ourselves more having this innate ability to think is that kind of a hindrance to in the larger context to our species as as in general what do you think about that like do you think like we would have a more prosperous life if we had simpler brains you know, like Homo erectus brains.
0: The book actually deals with that in a brief
1: amount in the very first chapter
0: where he mentions that by brain size, we mean directly correlated to our intelligence, right? The bigger the brain, the yeah. more complex we're thinking, the more, you know, intelligent we are. And that is where, you know, we have this infamous theory that Albert Einstein had a bigger brain, you know, preserved in museums and all of that. <laughs> now, that's a different story altogether. But he mentions that the more intelligent we get, the more complex our life becomes. Initially, our life was as simple as, you know, uh, being in the hunter-gatherer modes are only requiring food i think that was the only thing that we st- strove for and that is how we survive and we survive for millions of years now we're talking about 70 lakh years right and farming developed 13,000 years ago right so for the most period of time humans had a great survival rate and uh we did awesome inter- and we made sure that environments also environment also survived and we were the small-brain
1: creatures. Uh, we were no big-brain as PewDiePie says. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the memes are basically memes are. I think the peak of civilization, peak of uh, modern <laughs> intelligence, has been it. The bigger our brains get, the smarter our memes will be. In the next edition that he publishes of this book, he should include uh, a 22nd chapter, which is all about uh, postmodern uh, human society, uh, which is uh, written entirely in memes. You know. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure we are in that age, day and age, where uh, memes have taken better part of the culture. Like, we are recording this on 70th and uh, the meme Dogecoin is ruling the world. Uh, Elon Musk is having a good play with it on Twitter. Uh, well, we have a meme lord sitting as a co-host. So, <laughs> 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 revealing some secret identities of Pushkar, but swiftly moving on. Yes, memes,
1: memes are the future.
0: Okay. So, as we were talking, right, um, going back to how the big brain a discussion, where our brain started increasing the body size and the brain uh, size started increasing two and a half million years ago and homo erectus the first remains of homo erectus was found the book says that the first earliest remains or you know the proto humans as he mentioned i like the word proto humans was first found in africa around 5 to 6 million years ago right and that is where it is said the birth ground of i would say the earliest form of humans and uh, then he says that we migrated slowly towards northern africa and then since africa and europe is connected for people who forgot Geography, So Africa and Eurasia is connected. So we traveled there and we moved into uh, the Southeast Asia, uh, you know, Java islands, in Indonesia basically. And the earliest remains was found a million years ago.
1: Yeah. So if we had to draw basically a line starting from Africa, it went up from Africa, it went into Eurasia. Europe basically. It went into Europe, then Asia. It went down from Asia uh, into Javanese Islands and uh, from Papua New Guinea into Australia because at that time, the oceans had not risen as much as uh, today because you know no global warming uh, and the ice ages were still a thing. So, that, that was still a land bridge. So, uh, it passed from Papua New Guinea into Australia. From Australia, I think it ended there. I think it ended in New Zealand. And he talks about uh, proto-humans figuring out sea travel through uh, makeshift boats and this and that. His basic point is that even back then, humans displayed some sort of intelligence. It's not that human intelligence started just uh, 13,000 years ago. He, he mentions that there is proof of human intelligence starting before. And uh, he also mentions like from uh, Eurasia, it also went into uh, North America through Siberia. And from there, it went all the way to South, Amer- uh, South America into the tip of uh, South America which is Patagonia and he mentions that it all took place in like what I think two or three million years yeah so just to give a context
0: of timelines as uh, Pushkar basically summarized how humans moved around the entire world so five to six million it was Africa one million years ago it was Indonesia and uh, a key point as he mentioned that they hopped from island to island it was not uh, window shopping but it was island hopping and uh, sorry some pathetic attempts to jokes there but island hopping you are not uh, a meme lord and then they finally reached Australia, and by the, at the same time, uh, you could see that humans evolved to survive in cold weather, they moved into Siberia, and there's a small strip of land covering uh, Siberia and Russia, so we moved there, and then we joined Canada, then coming to, you know, our USA and all of that. Obviously, these countries were not formed there, so you can talk about it in North America and South America, and the earliest uh, humans in North America and South America, if I remember correctly, Australians were 40,000 years ago. Now, there's a point, I'll come to it, because, um, and from siberia it was 20000 years ago so basically 40000 years ago we moved into australia and then we sur- uh, the eurasians had you know survived the cold and 20000 years ago they moved into siberia and then north america and within a 1000 years they populated the entire of america both north and south and that is a in- yeah. important feat to remember so now pushkara you know an insight into your mind can you imagine the g- time scales 5 to 6 million years ago we were in africa it took us 5 million years ago and then we reached to eurasia That's a huge, huge gap, right? And then within 60,000 years, we were in Australia already. Basically, traversed the entire South Asian countries, you know, basically India or China, and then moved into Southern Indonesia. And then we, 40,000 years ago, we are already in Australia, in, you know, the bottomest corner of of the world. And simultaneously, there's another species evolving, which is traveling to the northward side. And in 20,000 years, they move into North America. And within 1,000 years, they populate the entire of America, north and south. So you see how exponentially, human growth is happening as in the more and more space they're covering, the more and more resources they're getting.
1: I think once our ancestors figured out how to travel, the more they traveled, the easier it became. It's like how uh, we are uh, kind of, we talk about this technological gap that has been closing the last 100 years i think it's the same way it's the same way back then you know the traveling gap or what the tourism gap i guess or the settlement gap colonizing gap i guess you can call it once it started happening more and more the time between uh, development and the time between the experience of travel kind of started uh, contracting it certainly gives us an, an insight into the human brain and makes you wonder if if it was the fact that they were constantly traveling if it was the fact that the humans who traveled uh, from africa to you know to the tip of south america who traveled all around the world uh is it because of that traveling that they're that they kind of evolved or that they kind of were able to grow as people or as a species, you know. While the people who stayed in Africa or while the people who stayed in Eurasia or while the people who stayed in Australia, they did not keep growing but they start their growth was stagnated because they stayed in one place, you know. Because he talks about once the um, people settled in Australia, once the people settled in the Americas they weren't really discovered until thousands of years later. Like, I mean I mean, discovered in the European sense. Like The European people did not really uh, come into contact with them or any kind of other species did not come into contact with them until thousands of years later. So that kind of stagnation and that kind of isolation you have to wonder if it stifles uh, a kind of growth that we have. And I think that is why we are such like We are so, you know, um, attracted to uh, Star Trek or something because it is about traveling and exploring the unknown and it kind of, it's like an innate thing that humans have within themselves that uh, somehow traversing uh, into the unknown will make us grow or will make us evolve into uh, better beings, hopefully you bring a
0: very nice point you know even today we say that traveling is the best teacher right the more you travel the more you get to know more about the world but i think as you correctly mentioned right that even in the earliest days the people who traveled the people who evolved according to different scenarios remained yeah that's a nice point and even oh wow you bought in everything together you bought in future star trek you bought in history you bought in present knowledge come on Pushkar, way to go Thank you, thank you. Like basically, if people uh, hear us now, they would have concluded that by 20,000 years, we had basically visited all the continents. Yeah, so it's very shocking that 20,000 years ago, we were just exploring North America and South America. And it took us almost 19,900 years, we explored a new continent that was Antarctica. Because until then, nobody had really visited there.
1: And the problem is like Antarctica is not really habitable, so it might be that people might have visited Antarctica, but they weren't able to uh, establish a colony there. You know, so that's why there's no population there.
0: Yeah, yeah, they might have died while traveling uh, towards south of uh, the world. But even today, there is no permanent settlement in Antarctica, right? Like we go there for experiments. We have these small camps, but nobody stays there for uh, permanent. And I'm sure people tried traveling there, but I'm sure nobody reached there. They would have, and given the climate back then, right, when it was even colder than it is today. I don't know how with that form, but okay, apart from that, even these small islands that are scattered across the Pacific Ocean, right, these small, that was also discovered in the, you know, 15th or 16th centuries. So, even today, we are discovering places that no humans might have even stepped foot on.
1: Yeah. So, like, there's uh, Skull Island, obviously, where King Kong lives. Uh, not a lot of humans have gone there. Uh... <laughs> there's uh, Madrepur obviously, uh, and what else? <laughs> I'm just naming fictional islands. There's Vulcania from 20,000 leagues under the sea. Never mind. I, I'll stop. Yeah,
0: the has diverted completely. Now, Okay. Yeah. So, we basically covered, you know, how human beings traveled across the entire world. And now we're trying to, you know, leap the foundations of Earth and go outside. But there was this in- very interesting point, which while this was said, that there was a correlation between extension and human expansion. In this chapter, he does mention that humans travel from this to this place. But he also men- mentions a striking similarity on how animals got extinct. And by animals, I mean megafauna, I mean big animals there. So, there's a very uh, nice fact which is mentioned in, uh, in the book where, where it says that there is no single indigenous domesticated animal in Australia. And it is quite shocking, right? Because humans evolved by domesticating animals, by plantations, right? And that is how societies grew. But Australia has none of it. And why does it have none of it? Because when humans traveled to Australia and they encountered this huge, let's say, kangaroos, and I don't know what all uh, kangaroos are still there. But it the was a ones, mega
1: kangaroo, you know. Mega it was kangaroo, and
0: whatever. Kangaroo. All the yeah. different mega, mega animals, they killed them all. <laughs> all of them got extinct. Uh,
1: more or less, what happened was humanity, as it for the first five million years, it uh, evolved in Australia, right? Sorry, Africa oh sorry Africa yeah so in Africa it evolved the animals in Africa evolved alongside humans so that's why they they had learned to kind of be afraid they had developed that instinct of being afraid of humans you know so um essentially then what happened was the animals in Australia they had never been in contact with humans before they had survived for whatever many thousand years but they had never seen a human before so when a human finally arrived in Australia their reaction was like oh cool a new creature uh, they weren't like, oh no, let's uh, let's uh, scram or let's run away. They were like, oh, it's just another thing. And so because they had, did not have that instinct, hunting them was super easy. And if uh, something is super easy, like the humans were full on on like, if to use a gaming term, they were they were full in smurf mode and they just full on demolished every, uh, every kind of, like most species that live uh, in Australia.
0: Yeah, and the similar thing happened with North America and South America as well. There are hardly any megafauna there found there. There are obviously people who disagree with this, right? That humans did not lead to the extinction of these animals. And they propagate that because of, you know, drastic climatic changes, the animals died. And Jared Diamond rightly points out that the animals survived <laughs> for millions of years through extreme climate conditions, and as soon as humans yeah. arrived, there was a sudden climatic change and all of them died and humans were not responsible, come on, we are not that great.
1: I mean, what is this blame shifting, come on, like, who cares, like, I mean, obviously, like, it makes sense that humans killed all the animals, don't, you don't have to be so, uh, so, like, insecurely guilty about it that you try to shift the blame onto the ice, age. this is very typical of uh, us big brain people, you know. Yeah, and he actually backs it up with a factual format. It's not
0: just hypothetical in sense, right? He mentions that recently, in the 15th to 16th centuries, when, or even I think in the more recent uh, uh, times, we developed the Galapagos Island or the Antarctic areas. And as soon as we uh, stepped foot on it, we destroyed their place, right? We killed all the animals. Nothing remains there. Sorry, sorry, I think. So, let me uh, correct my facts there. So, we only first went to Mauritius, so again an island nation. we basically... Uh, yeah, but his dodos
1: were from Mauritius.
0: Exactly. So that's a key figure. Whenever you talk extinction, everybody remembers Dodo. It has become this... uh, There. So, yeah. When humans first stepped foot on it, we demolished their fauna. And we were doing similarly in the Galapagos Island or in the Antarctic Islands. But thank God that there are people, there are activists who came in during that time and stopped us from committing crimes like that. And even today, you see people killing elephants for tasks or destroying the aquatic life. Tigers are almost extinct. So... Uh, humans and nature don't go hand in hand and, and as you will know Harari rightly meant, he condemned humans as the worst species in the book he mentions, right, how Homo sapiens destroyed other species of humans, like Homo erectus, Neanderthals and similarly went on to you know, destroy the uh, animal life in all of these areas, wherever they travelled and except Africa as uh, Pushkar rightly pointed out, and then we have this consequent words thank god, wars are Not that frequent nowadays, but I mean, I mean, aren't they though? I mean, I just vaguely,
1: vaguely gesture to Israel. Palestine, yes, sorry. You know? Again, recorded on seventeenth May. So people who are following news. When you mentioned that the uh, when humanity stepped onto these islands, it kind of more or less started destroying them. It reminded me of another point in this chapter that uh, Jared Diamond comes to, where he talks about cave paintings that we did. He, he what he was talking about is basically human intelligence, and. Uh, uh, humans making uh, cave paintings in uh, Africa and in, in Eurasia and he mentions a specific example called uh, the Lascaux Cave of uh, Paintings in southern France. So an interest that kind of struck out to me because um, I've read about this before. John Green has a podcast called The Anthropocene Reviewed uh, You know this, like, which is basically just talking about random human things and so in that he talks about the Lascaux paintings and it's very interesting because what he mentions about these paintings is that when these paintings were discovered, these paintings are obviously like, what, tens of thousands of years old. But even then, when the people, when the three boys who accidentally discovered this cave that had these paintings, they were so awestruck by it that they camped outside the ca- uh, the cave every year until uh, the government took control of the place because they did not want to see that cave destroyed. They were so like, uh, inspired by it. When Picasso visited that cave to look at those paintings, there were hundreds of paintings of um, horses and bulls and just like handprints of uh, people he looked at those paintings and uh, he basically said that we have invented nothing. So the destruction part comes into the fact that what happened was this cave was accidentally discovered and when once it became a tourist attraction, people started flooding into the caves, right? Uh, everybody was coming in to see the thing. And because there was so much new human contact that hadn't been there for thousands of years, the cave painting started growing moulds. cave had to be shut out and now there's a replica of it that you can visit. So, just by the mere fact of human presence, it altered or it more or less destroyed these paintings. So, you really have to wonder, you know, like, it begs the question, like, is humanity not just its own destruction but also like the destruction of everything around us like we talk about covid as a sort of a pandemic and this is a very cheesy movie plot line but a lo- you hear it in uh, disaster movies a lot right like humanity is the plague but in a very uh, objective in a very uh non-emotional sense of the word can you look at humanity removed from our own experience as a sort of uh, long gestating uh, disease on a planet
0: Yeah, you could say so because we led to the destruction of so many things and nature would never want humanity to be there given the kinds of things that we did. But then again, on the other side, also do ponder, right? That this free will, I don't know, see, I cannot speak about everybody else and we did some shit, right? But this also gives us this opportunity to appreciate what the world is all about and not just Earth, right? We can see the wonders the universe offers or if there are multiverses, then multiverse. And imagine the scale at which we are just operating at and appreciate the wonder I know most of the people don't think that way and if people thought this way then we would not be in this stage and uh, you know we would yeah. be far
1: better But then- <laughs> I mean this is a very existential depressing kind of a point to bring up it's beaten down to a point of like it's become a joke you know like uh, oh humanity is the plague kind of a thing it's become a meme at this point but like on an objective aspect you really do have to wonder I mean this book at least makes me wonder which um, you know uh, get excited because for the next 22 chapters this is going to be me <laughs> just like <laughs> full on existential dread depressing
0: you correctly mentioned that we have to be objective enough to think at it from both sides right I know we are humans so obviously we'll have this huge huge bias that we are good (laughs) and everything but be a bit more aloof or be a bit more elevated from the plane of human existence and think of it more objectively and maybe you'll enjoy the thoughts that come to your head but not dwelling into that too much and we'll close out this episode soon and um, with this one last bit which I found really really interesting and that is how he closed the chapter so basically the question that we're trying to answer is that which civilization like why did um, Europeans tend to you know have a better intelligence than the other areas and Uh, He has this experiment which he wants to do is he wants to put an archaeologist, he picks it up from modern age and puts him in a time machine and sends him to 11,000 BC, right? So that's 13,000 years from now and asks him, can you give a justification on which civilization of humans from which country will evolve to rule the world? Uh, Ruling is just a bad word, but yeah, uh, become more intelligent and the archaeologist makes case for all the different uh, continents. You could say that Africa, uh, people from Africa are the most intelligent because that is where humans evolved for the longest period of time and the birth of humans happened there. So obviously that has added advantage. On the other hand, he makes a similar point that Eurasia can be the one because Eurasians were the origins of the first modern humans as he called Cro-Magnons, right? Where the earliest art forms, earliest literary works were found. So that is, he can make a case there as well. Thirdly, he can make a case for North America and South America because humans evolved in a spe- uh, to survive the cold, survive the harshest of weathers, travel through Siberia, and within a thousand to two thousand years, populated the entire continents of North America and South America. So that's a huge, huge uh, boon, you could say, and a huge population spurt, So that means that civilizations grow at a faster rate. So humans could be far more intelligent there. And lastly, and the most interesting point, and ironically, uh, he makes is that, how did humans travel to Australia? It was not just we bought a ship or, you know, we had a Titanic and we just sailed through there. They were The earliest form of sea travel is found 13,000 years ago. But people travelled to Australia 40,000 years ago. We don't even know. There is no evidence of how we did that. But he clearly mentions that, as Pushkar also said earlier, that since uh, world was a bit colder, so there were there were small islands, but there were still 50 to 50 miles to 100 miles apart, and you can't just swim yes. those areas, right? You have to travel via some water boat. So what they did was they went into Indonesia, so that's you know so that's via land, and then they sailed, jumped, went into that island, established, adapted, grew, grew in population, and then again sailed to the next island, and again settled down, adapted, grew in population move to the next island. And slowly, slowly this is how they grew. So imagine the amount of growth that they would have had hopping from one island to the other and ultimately reaching, you know, New Guinea, New Zealand, Australia. So they must be the most intelligent of species. right? So you can make a case for basically all the continents where uh, human beings are found. And uh, tell them that they're the most intelligent creatures but apparently that was not the case in the modern human beings and uh, that is what the author will explore in the next 20 or so chapters that what might be the other reason that Eurasians gained upper hand and Again, uh, quick disclaimers for people, we are not trying to review the book, we are trying to make sure that we can, you know, translate as much knowledge as possible because due to a quick poll at Instagram, we did, most of the people have not read this book. Apparently only me and Pushkar are reading this book from the recent follower base that we have. So that's a good sign, right? People will get to know about the book. You don't have to read the book to follow us. It makes
1: for interesting discussions. I
0: think. You'll get to know something new and we try to keep each episode, you know, as detached. To the other previous episodes. We'll try to recap all of that, so that. Even if you stumble in any of the episodes, you can get a quick understanding of what has transpired until then. And yeah, that's it. It was a very fruitful discussion. I thought today was more streamlined. Uh, thank you guys for sticking around till the end. And a quick small thing for people who have listened to us till the end. Today on 17th May, we touched 5,000 listens. So thank you everyone for sticking around and uh, keep on listening to us. I will bring you awesome content Yay. going forward. Till then, that's it. Bye. That's the end. That's it. Thank you. Baba. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.